0: Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now, with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome, and today we're going to Markham, Ontario, to talk about Rain Geiger and uh, something that she's advocating very strongly. So welcome, Rain, and tell us about your academic background. Where did you go to school?
1: Well, thank you, Peter. Um, I went to Catholic school uh, for 13 years. Um, I started off in London, Ontario, and I did not go to kindergarten. Uh, they didn't have one. <laughs> so they took me at age five, and um, and then I... Uh, I ended up in uh, Willardale, Ontario. Uh, From there, I went to St. Joseph's Morrill Park High School. Then, um, back in the day when we had grade 13, uh, if you wanted to be a teacher, you went directly from grade 13 to Teachers College. So it was one year, and since I was already a year younger, I think I was 17 going on 18 in uh, Teachers College, and then after one year of Teachers College, right into teaching. So I was teaching at the age of 18, 19.
0: And where did you work?
1: Uh, my first year of teaching was uh, in North York at uh, St. Cyril, and I was teaching a grade 5, grade Five, six, I think it was. And the oldest boy in my class was 13. And this uh, St. This Cyril happened to be one of the schools in the parish that I grew up in. So when I went out on yard duty, I had people saying, Hi, Rain. By people, I mean students. Hi, Rain. And I had to say to them, no, you have to call me Miss Geiger. <laughs> That was uh, just the the one year and then I transferred to um, a school called Precious Blood in uh, West Scarborough. And I was there 19 years and then over to uh, uh, St. Bede and I was uh, on the east side of Scarborough, right next to the zoo and I was there for 19 years.
0: Wow, and then you retired.
1: Then I retired, but you asked about academics, so uh, you might know that back in the day, teachers went directly from grade 13, as I said, so we had no uh, university education. But uh, fairly early on in my career, they said they want teachers to get their degrees, so we all went during the summer and at night, and we all got our degrees. From where? Well, I got mine from uh, University of Toronto uh, Scarborough campus. Okay.
0: So you retired. but retired. But you've also got into advocacy. And why have you got into advocacy? Do you have a advocate. disability of some sort?
1: I, I don't have a disability. I, I need a cane to walk, um, but you know, I don't consider it much of a disability. Uh, I got into advocacy quite by accident. And to be honest, I, I never thought about the handicapped or accessibility or anything like that all my life. You know, it was just not something that entered my mind. And if I, uh, If I had to take a step up to get into a a store or a restaurant or up uh, onto a sidewalk, something like that, it never occurred to me if there was a a ramp for people who couldn't take a step. So I guess, you know, part of advocacy is, uh, is getting some kind of action. But another part of it is awareness. And it's really hard to make people who don't have a horse in the race uh, uh, to make them aware and if they are aware, to make them care.
0: But part of your role is also you you're sort of a caregiver for somebody who's a friend of yours.
1: Yes, this is how I got into uh, into uh, advocacy that someone who is very near and dear to me um, I watched her go from a cane, to a walker, to a a manual wheelchair, to a motorized wheelchair. And each step of the way, I became more and more aware of the obstacles. Um, An example would be, uh, we went to Bowmanville with another friend who wanted to get a, a bolt of material at some special shop. And uh, we could, the two of us could get into into this uh, factory or this shop, but uh, I couldn't get the wheelchair in. So I had a choice. I could go in with the one friend or I could stay outside with the friend in the wheelchair. And I don't know, she assured me that she'd be okay out there. So I went with the friend who could walk, but I felt guilty the entire time and I couldn't wait to get outside. Well, then after that, we were hungry and we went looking for a restaurant. (laughs) I have to tell you, Bowmanville is the least accessible uh, town (laughs) in uh, in Ontario. And I remember saying to some of the shopkeepers and and so forth, "You, you do realize that you, There's no way to get this wheelchair in without help. Uh, Yeah, we have to do something about that. Well, I know that uh, one of the the rules in Ontario is that by a certain date, I can't remember what date, uh, buildings have to be up to code. Restaurants and stores have to be up to code. But if you see Bowmanville, you've got the sidewalk and then you've got the the step up to the store right on the sidewalk. And on the other side the sidewalk is the road. So where are they going to put a ramp? I, I really don't know what places like Bowmanville are going to do.
0: So this friend of yours, she has yeah. a disability. Yes. And what is that disability?
1: Well, she has a PSP, which is Uh, progressive supranuclear palsy. And it is under the umbrella of uh, Parkinsonian illnesses or diseases. So it's very much like Parkinson's, but actually worse.
0: Okay. Yeah. So within the community that you live, you decided to take some action. And... What form did that action take?
1: Well, uh, it took the form of something called the Accessibility Report. Um, I think it's 10 or 11 pages, but right now I have to give credit to uh, uh, a good friend in the village named Fred (laughs) who had the expertise of putting a, a report together. I I was sort of like the um, the squeaky wheel, and I knew what I wanted, but Fred knew how to put the whole thing together, so that it would be impressive. And that whole thing came about actually from another kind of advocacy. Um, where I live, uh, we're on a, a a little lake called Swan Lake, and this lake has. Uh, deteriorating water conditions. And the reason for that is that it, it has no uh, fresh water flowing into or out of it. It was originally a quarry. So it's got all kinds of problems, but the the city of Markham seemed to be happy just to let it sit there and stagnate and cause algae blooms and be toxic to, to fish and animals and people. Uh, so, A bunch of us who weren't happy with this, uh, we got together and we uh, started an advocacy group called Friends of Swan Lake Park.
0: Okay, hold on on now. You're moving back off the topic. Uh,
1: No, I'm going right into the topic. One of the things that we accomplished was we had a sidewalk put around the traffic circle. It used to be that if you wanted to get into the park or into Swan Lake or into Amica on the other side, you literally had to walk or push your wheelchair into the traffic lane of that traffic circle. So we pestered and pestered the city until they finally put a sidewalk around that traffic circle. Well, that got me thinking. And I said to myself, wow, you know, if I can convince the city of Markham to do that, maybe I can convince the powers that be in, in the village to improve uh, accessibility within the village. Because I, I took my friend to a um, swimming pool once, and we wore our suits under our clothes, so that was easy enough. But when, it, when we were finished and uh, it was time to change, I wheeled her chair up to the door of the clubhouse, and <laughs> it was a step this high. I couldn't get the wheelchair into the clubhouse so that we could change our clothes, and uh, and I started looking around, and every clubhouse in the village has this, not a giant step, but a, a threshold that you cannot get a wheelchair over without, maybe somebody on the other side of the wheelchair helping to lift. I thought this isn't this isn't satisfactory. And I found many, many other uh, areas in in the village that uh, were just not satisfactory, not just for people in wheelchairs, but this is a village of uh, uh, seniors. And seniors sometimes maybe have a little bit of trouble pushing a heavy door. Why aren't those doors uh, automated? Well, squeaky wheel. And we put out this accessibility report, and I could not believe how well it was received.
0: Lorraine, let's back up a little bit. Before the report, hmm. you formed a, a group, and then what did you do? Did you go out in around the community to observe things?
1: Yes. Um, It started off with just uh, Fred and me. So Fred and I asked a couple of people that we each knew if they would like to join us on a little tour around the village. So there were four of us and I went on my scooter. I can walk, I don't need the scooter. I I use it to keep my friend company on hers. But um, I was on my scooter and someone else had a walker and another one had a cane, and we uh, we went around the village, but at one point, we were outside one of the clubhouses, and we ran into some pedestrians, some people who were out for a walk, and one of them had a walker, and one of them had a cane, and we stopped them, when we started interviewing people. Before you knew it, Some other people came up, and they were curious, what's this little crowd? And, uh, yeah, our little committee (laughs) grew. So uh, we had about, I guess, six people, six or seven people all together. And we did this tour on um, successive days, and we managed to cover the entire village, like every aspect of every building and road in the village. And then we took photos, wrote it up and sent it in. And uh, wow, (laughs) Things, things have just gone from there. Articles in the Lakeview Magazine, that sort of thing, amazing.
0: So what were you asking for in your report?
1: Everything, (laughs) really, um, we were asking for everything. We honestly didn't think we'd get everything, but well, we were asking for automated doors. We were asking for ramps uh, up to these doors, particularly at the clubhouses and the um, management office. And um, we were, oh, oh, the the curbs. I don't know if you know what a rolled curb is. No. Well, if you look look around at the various curbs, you've got your straight curb, which, of course, you can't access at all. And then you've got what's called a rolled curb. So it, it sort of goes down and then out again gradually and then down. And what it does is it allows a car... Or a scooter or a wheelchair to roll over it. But I have to tell you, these things are very bumpy. If you go at any kind of a speed, you'll really jolt the person in the wheelchair. And having tried these out on a scooter, some are higher than others. As you can imagine, not everything's uniform. Uh, Having gone out on a scooter, I tested a few of these and I know from experience some of them will jolt the, the person so badly, it could hurt your back. Um, and in some cases, it will turn the front wheel of the scooter and tip the scooter over.
0: Yeah. So having said that, you presented your report to the management within the village. And what right. was their reaction?
1: You know, the first thing I got back was um, uh, we're very pleased to receive your report and yada, 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 and uh, give us some time and we'll get back to you. And uh, and really, I was skeptical, but I think, I think I wasn't happy with how long they took, so I sent them a kind of a, uh, how's how's the thinking going? any anything new to tell me? And I got back such a lovely response. Um, they had already replaced uh, the, a pad underneath a bench. We had taken a picture of a bench that was kind of drowning in a puddle. <laughs> and he, he, he said they had put a cement pad under this bench, and that was for starters and that they planned to put in automated doors. And definitely they were uh, reconsidering the curb design, that any new curbs that uh, they're going to replace, they would uh, put in a new
0: design. So Rain, based on this experience, based on what you're doing to help your friend, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: for those that are listening, what are some suggestions you would make to those that are listening, who may be in other communities?
1: Hmm. I guess uh, pretty well what we did. What is it that you want specifically? Go do a tour, take pictures, and I think probably most importantly, find someone who can put together a good looking report. Because if it's just an email complaining, I don't think it will have half the impact that this report had.
0: So by documenting and using pictures to, uh,
1: to mm-hmm. show. Yes.
0: So that I could work with a city, a town a provincial government, a federal government?
1: Oh yes, you know, I did it myself. I was on my scooter uh, going up 16th Avenue, almost to the Amica driveway, and I nearly went flying off the end. They had been putting the sewer pipe in. And you know how they, they break up sidewalks and so forth. They had repaired the the, the corner there of the sidewalk, but had forgotten to put the indent or at least a ramp. And anyone like me who was, you know, so used to having it there, go flying into the Amica uh, uh, driveway there, (laughs) it's fortunate I stopped on time or I might've broken something. Well, I I immediately emailed the city and I said, "This, this, uh, this is dangerous, I nearly hurt myself. Well, take a picture. So I took a picture, I went back and I took a picture and I emailed that in and oh my goodness, they were there the next day. They had that little uh, temporary ramp in there.
0: So I think the the conclusion is one person can make a difference by uh, taking action.
1: I would say so, yeah. you just need to be the the um the the uh, squeaky wheel, I think. And if you are squeaky enough and convincing enough, you can get the other wheels to come along.
0: Well, thank you for a great story. You're an advocate. I hope you take on other causes and are as successful as you've been with this one. So thank you for your time this evening.
1: Thank you, Peter. It was a pleasure.